Ladies and gentlemen, this is Killing the Business Wrestling Podcast, and we are on the air with the 60-minute time limit. I am your fierce leader, undisputed and undefeated Vic Muscat. With me today is someone that you're going against my dude, but you're a hell of an athlete, so I don't know who put my money on. Frankie Swamp Tower. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very good this year. Uh, 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 thank you for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. But you're facing my dude, the vape god. What brought this rivalry about? I mean, what happened? So, um, about two years ago, in a this is a small town in a Tennessee. Uh, I was put against Fletcher Malone and everything, and uh, at that at that time, he was going by Fletcher Malone, and he was still uh, being trained at um, WWA four. So, just telling me now that he's even gotten even better. I've been watching him these past two years. He has just kept on elevating himself, just kept on trying. So I gave him credit for that. Um, and he did get that win on me that night. Um, at the time, he was undefeated too. So, um, but it was something that he did after the match and everything that uh, it sticks in my head. And after one thing, he cheated. I won't pull that out there. He cheated. <laughs> but anyway, um, he uh, took a puff of vape and everything and blew it into my face. And that's, that's, that's disrespect. That's really hard to get out of your head, you know? Yeah, that's – it's like the old-school million-dollar man, Teddy Biasi, after his matches, stuffed that hundred dollars put them – at least uh, you get something out of that. Yeah, that's like, true. Uh, he never picked up that hundred-dollar bill. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm straight edge. Like, I don't I don't vape. I don't do a lot of stuff. I don't do pot. I don't drink. I don't do a lot of stuff that most people in the industry do. And a lot of things that Fletcher does. All right. So it's one of the things for me and him, we're polo opposites, but make I we're equally opposites, I guess you could say, where I'm on one different other spectrum, but he's on this other side, you know? Yeah. And um I've mainly been waiting for two years to get my hands back on him. And I get to do that in Zanesville, Ohio this Saturday. This the fact that it's gone from just a small town in Tennessee to now both of us just traveling all the way to Ohio just speaks volumes of how much we've actually increased. I get I don't want to say uh, uh, stop, but a uh, value, the value we put in ourselves and the value we put out for others, and people see that value, they see that potential. And now we're in a whole different state doing the, doing the same match. So what got you in professional wrestling in general? What got me into professional wrestling was um, times when I'd be at my grandma's and everything. I had the VHSs and tapes and all that. And I got the watch um, Hatshaw Jim Duggan. It was a, had, his own, had his own VHS tape and everything. I got to watch those matches. So for the most part, I'm very patriotic. <laughs> Um, I did a little get I, I, that's a little kid and everything. I was very patriotic, and I always rooted for the good guys. Uh, looked up to the good guys and stuff like that. And um, well, as I grew up and everything, um, WWE uh, had a had SmackDown on a channel called My um, uh, Channel AB. Yeah, something. Like, it was a weird channel name, but. That's not important. 
And I got to watch SmackDown. I got to watch people like Rey Mysterio, um, Kofi Kingston, like all like Cena, Taker, Randy Orton, all these great names. And it, it blew my mind that like just to be like to be in front of all those people and everything. I wanted that. Yeah. And um I would have wrestling matches with my dad when I was young and stuff like that. And um, soon there was a promotion startup in my town, which is uh, I'm going to give my nice little promotion here. Uh, a little bit promoting. Uh, Resolute Wrestling down here in uh, Crossville, Tennessee. Um, that's, that is my hometown. And they started it just in a simple mall, and now they have their own building. Like, it's great to see progress. I love seeing people not be where they used to be. You know, I, I like to see people go uphill instead of downhill. And um, I started training in uh, 2000 and I believe 16. And I've been in the business for about, I've been wrestling and everything for five years. Uh, this recently, um, this past, I want to say this past September was my anniversary. Happy so that's a huge milestone for me. That's the fact that I'm able to get this far. It's a huge accomplishment um, to me anyway. And the fact that I've had over 300 matches also is pretty cool too. So um I've gotten to be in the ring with a lot of good people like Alex Zane, who just recently got released into the ring and everything. And um, it's, he's a phenomenal superstar, an amazing guy. I loved his work in the ring. I love the work he's doing now. Um, I got to see some of his clips from DCW this past uh, weekend or the weekend before. Just seeing him pull a piece of glass right out and everything, I'm like, it's right up his arm. It's blood is shooting out. I'm like, he's a freaking bad egg, you know? <laughs> but um, another person, I wish more people knew about this man because he is by far the biggest inspiration in my life, um, Toby Farley. Toby Farley is a huge inspiration to me. Um, he pulled over a little Frankie aside and everything, and he taught me the ropes. Um Another person I'm proud to say I've been in the ring with and actually in a sense I've gotten to have a friendship with is a man named Draven Lee, um, the freak Draven Lee, a really good talent. I hope he continues to raise his stock. Now, um, let's see, uh, two other people I want to uh, shout out real quick. Um, the gift Jason Kincaid, um, I believe a former EVOP champion. Um and a dude named Son Hoodwich, who um, both have done, have had a great impact in my life, um, in my career. But uh, other than that, uh, for five years, th- like 300 matches, I'd say that to people like that's wrestle locally and stuff like that, like 300 matches, bro, like that's crazy. Because like, I wasn't like a lot of people, like I started. I started slow and everything, like, you know, wrestling once a month or anything. But once the wheels started spinning, I was wrestling four times a week. And that's that's huge. Like, a lot of people can't even get booking, like, 
once a week. But the fact that I've been able to do it four times a week, it's, it's a huge honor. And uh, I'm truly humbled by that, too, to continue to try, hit the gym, stuff like that. Uh, I can't really stop saying stuff like that. I nearly said. Anyway. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've been able to meet a lot of phenomenal people. Um, on Anderson, Ricky Steamboat, um, getting partly trained by Ricky Morton at uh, his school in Chucky, Tennessee. Like, it's amazing to really look back at my career and say, yo, I'm not doing that bad. And I'm still going to keep on going. And we'll see where this takes me. Absolutely. I mean, you're going balls to the wall as is four days, four days a week in the ring. You're right. That is something very rare independent wrestlers accomplish. It's always like weekends and they're happy. Four times a week. That's pretty sweet. 300 matches in five years. That's a phenomenal. That really is. Thank you. So for everyone who's listening and watching, who is Frankie Swamp Town? <laughs> I always ask this because it's like you have more of a detailed description than I would. Frankie Swamp Tower is a happy-go-lucky kid. I, I'm, I basically what I want to be is a. I want to be someone people could look up to. So I be a hero for little kids and stuff like that. Just like how I was saying with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, like Ray Mysterio, people like Jeff Hardy, The Undertaker, John Cena. These people you could like look up to and like be amazed by, by their abilities and their performance, their dedication, stuff like that. I want to be someone people could look up to. So tell us about your very first wrestling match. Oh, <laughs> that's an interesting story. Um, I was um, I was still training and everything, and I'm do I'm paying my dues and helping set up the ring and everything. My uh, first trainer, his name Kev Courageous, uh, phenomenal uh, wrestler, and he gave me my start, and I'm very grateful for that. Truly humbled. Um, he comes over, taps me on the shoulder, I'm like. <laughs> You have your gear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Always bring your gear. That's, that's the best advice I've ever been given. You have your gear? Good. <laughs> We're going against a man named Mario DeVito tonight. The point we had for him canceled, you're in his place. It's like, hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Because they throw you into the wolves. Absolutely. And that's the best way to really learn. I've always been told the best way to learn about a man is to see him in action. Well, the best way to know if you're ready is to jump in there, to jump in that pit and see how you come out. And um, I will admit I lost. <laughs> but uh, I was told I did a better job than they thought I would. <laughs> And I've just always been defeating people's expectations ever since. What does the mask mean to Frankie Swamp Tower? The fact that I'm wearing it right now can tell you that uh, the mask is basically a symbol of who I am. And this is what I want. I 
my face is a mask. My face is my mask. When I am out and about and everything, I can be myself. When I put on the mask, I am Frankie. And it's just it's it's pretty nice to actually get to go out and about uh, my hometown. And I'm I don't want into people who will randomly start talking about me to me and not even realize it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Now that's um. So what do you, what do you self educate yourself to, you know, fine tune your skills? Fine tune my skills. Um, course watching tape and stuff like that. Um, I'll watch a little bit some indie wrestling. I'll go back to the old days and stuff like that. Um, when I say the old days, I like uh, I I feel like people talk think I'm talking about the WWF, and there are some good stuff in the WWF. But I like going towards WCCW, like Devon Eriks and uh, the Missing Link and all these good people. Um, when I had the WWE Network before they went to Peacock and everything, which I could still find it on there. It's just a little bit harder now. Um, I'll be watching uh, Memphis wrestling and good stuff from like Jerry Waller. Good, phenomenal matches with uh, Bill Dundee, um, The Walking Well Express, uh, which is ironic since my, one of my first trainers was Ricky Morton. Um, other than that, um, hitting the gym, making sure I'm strong enough to do what I'm wanting to do in my life. It's truly, um, truly humbling. Oh, it is. Even for like a podcaster like me, just having great talent like you on is extremely humbling to me. It's just like I'm just a Southern Vermont podcaster, just a goofy white guy with two kids. <laughs> and he's saying, like, yeah, I'll come on your show is extremely humbling. So I know what you mean. Thank you. Um, I, I've always enjoyed like the world of broadcasting like i listen to things like busted open on sirius xm and like listen to these veterans opinions on a lot of these new ideals and it'll put a little bit more of an old school spin on it and i'll be like okay it's, that's kind of cool at the same time though i do see the business as a business so i'm like for a business to exceed it has to evolve there's some things that go days that worked in the old days but as the world has evolved so it's the business like people like frassier moves people don't like longer matches now like there are exceptions to the rule of course like um, the perfect example is um adam page and brown danielson uh, that's a perfect example of them going one hour or uh, a bunch of these matches where the result's not going to give you the satisfaction you're going you're wanting. If you want satisfaction from that match, you're going to have to watch the match. And then you watch the match and you're just at all of what you're seeing. Like, it was an incredible match. I give both men absolute respect and appreciation to what they went through. So let's go. Um, so what do you think professional wrestling needs to stop doing and needs to start doing to generate more fans? The thing is with the fans and everything, it, the business is booming right now. Like you really look at it, like, uh, like we got good competition between all elite and WWE. 
Um, for people who don't want to get in that drama, um, you got um, Impact, Triple uh, A, Japan, like all these. Like, I don't want to deal with all that, all the crap that the fans are talking about. I'm gonna go watch New Japan. I, I like how people have options now. The thing that I wish would kind of stop is these little fan wars that I would see online and everything where they'll be putting down. Um, I've, I've been having to deal with an issue um, very recently um, where they keep posting a picture of Chris Hero right now, who is not in the best state of his career, but he has a disorder and stuff like that, you know, and it's really disappointing to see people like um, trying to compare him to Adam Coe where people were making fun about Coe's size. Like, just like in the real world, there's different people for different jobs. There's different wrestlers and stuff like that. Like, you don't see Adam Cole going over here and trying to see Frex a super heavyweight, you know? You know, ain't over here killing the business. He's doing moves that he can do, you know? And the it's one of those things where I would say... For me personally, for me to really want to watch this and watch that is selling. Like I was watch, I'll be watching a match and I will see someone get forearmed right across the jaw and they'll get hit and they'll just go right back at the person. And I'm like, and not do nothing either. It's just I just stare at the person. I was like, is this one of those moments where you're like, did you just hit me? <laughs> And then hit him again. It's like, did you just hit me again? <laughs> like, I like more fights in my matches, I guess, in a sense. But um, but I feel like the one thing that really would help the business more is the fans to be more respectful. Like, it's really sad to see how fans have become. It really is. I'm not a hundred percent innocent on that one because I don't like. I know what you mean about Adam Cole because he put up. A picture of himself saying he's ready for his title fighting people body shape. I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not like poking fun at Chris here. Not like that. But when Cody left AEW, it broke my heart. And I did tweet at him like, why? Is it just... Yeah, uh, it's really me? sad. I don't support body shaming. I do not support body shaming at all. Body shaming I don't support. But just the, the whole Cody, that's when I was like, that's my tweet. I'm like, why the did you do that? Because he, he, mm-hmm. so he was like, when he was going AEW saying like, we have to leave the independent wrestling revolution. That brought so much life to this podcast. When he just all of a sudden mm-hmm. up and left, it absolutely devastated me. It broke my heart. And that's when I tweeted him like, what the fuck? But you know, anything mm-hmm. else like body shaming or anything like that. No, not petty shit. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a very smaller kind of guy, but I do try to work out when I can, and I'm. I I used to have a great eight pack. I have a seven one now, but I had a good eight pack. It was really nice. Um, <laughs> I'll get that next pack. I'll get it. But um, and I'm I'm a smaller person though. I know there's things I can't do and stuff like that. But telling me that I'm sore, that and that I'm incapable of doing this and this and this. 
it's either going to give, do me two things. Either it's going to inspire me to prove you wrong or it's going to put me down. And I'm not an easy person to put down, which Fletcher will learn that this next Saturday. So, Yeah, but with the smart-ass fans, you know, thinking they're so tough behind your keyboard, body shaming or whatever, you know for a fact if they took one bump, uh, just a regular bump that you take and you just get up like that was nothing, they'll be like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> you know that. It was, uh, I'm not going to use names in this story, but uh, there was a girl at uh, my home promotion that was going to, I wanted to start wrestling and everything. And they were going to do it because they, we made it look easy. And uh, they go to do their first bump and everything. They hit the back of their head and everything, right? And they had to be taken to a very expensive hospital because they gave themselves a concussion. And I, I don't like making fun of concussion or anything, but it's one of those things where it is kind of funny that people think that this is easy. This isn't easy. I, it'd be like looking at someone and be like, I could do a death match. You know, like that's a whole different level of ultra violence. For most places, not even legal. So. Unless you are a professional, I guess, in a sense. Like it takes that takes a lot of years of dedication. And I have full respect for like death uh, like uh, for deathmatch wrestlers. Um, I have um, many friends in death matches, uh, deathmatch wrestlers like um, uh, the Rabbit Pitbull, Matt Raby, um, the Suicidal King, Brad Cash, and uh, there's a, that one's a controversial one because of, there's a a lot of rumors around this man that I've been told are not true, but the wrong people heard and the wrong people opened their mouths. And now everybody thinks this is the true story. Uh, Tristan Ramsey's Tristan Ramsey's is, um, it's, he's one of the people who's been kind of around my career as I've traveled through States and States and it, I would run into him in locker rooms and stuff. A very good man, a very nice gentleman. And, um, it's just really sad to see how this one rumor could really destroy someone's career where he had to take some time off and everything to like really cool down. But luckily uh, he is back now and um, I can't wait to see him start thriving again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a shame when just people causing trouble can just by their words alone can destroy lives. Mm-hmm. And it's just uncalled for. Really. Absolutely. And it's, it's, uh, the reasons for them, it's even sadder. Or it's something, as you were saying, just something so petty, like all this petty crap and everything. Like, it's not worth, like, someone's livelihood and something like that, you know? But, um, like, there's one thing about death matches I, I have to say now, like, because I brought it up, I have to say it now. There's one thing I do hate about death matches, and it's fire. Because, like, dangerous. Like, but fire, like, I'll see like, a frame and table spot. I'm like, okay, that's something, you know? But it's really painful to, like, watch someone, like, okay, I just got caught on fire. I'm going to lay here and get pinned. <laughs> yeah. Like, now, you see them moving around and everything, so they're not, not dead. You know? like, they're not defeated or anything. They're moving around, and but it's 
it's kind of hard for me to watch that and then see him get pinned because at that point I'm thinking, oh, they just gave up. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Screw this. Nope. Pin me. I'm done. <laughs> so it's one of those things where, where the fame and spots and everything, like, it's really hard for me to get into them, especially when it's a finish. I was going to say, would you go, would you do a death match? With the uh, proper time and training, I probably would go into one. And depending on the person I, I'll be doing a death match with, it's something I, I've thought about for my career because that's the people I've been around. But as of right now, I don't really have any really ambition to really do a death match unless an opportunity that is really hard to pass up comes forward. So. Oh, come on, be honest. It all depends what's the bottom like, how much the pay is going to be. How much is the payout? How much is the payout? Like, okay, if I take a, a flaming chair shot, I get how much? Maybe, eh, it's like, hmm. <laughs> fire's okay, you know? But it's, <laughs> no, death like, matches. Oh, I, I just have to take ball of wire once and get paid like $5,000? Okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, what's this about? What what what's this about explosive um stuff underneath the ring? Uh, <laughs> do I have time to get out? <laughs> it's like you you signed the contract, taking one barbar shot. You get in the ring. They're like, oh, by the way, there's some explosives underneath the ring. You're like what? <laughs> yeah, you try to leave, we kill you anyway. <laughs> so what's motivating? The, what's what's motivating, motivating me? For your big fight with Flesh Malone, the vape god. He's, it's not going to be an easy Funny fight. enough, it's really just knocking him off his pedestal, really, at this point. He's taught a lot of crap. And even it, even him putting that all heel wrestling change of fortune championship on the line just to stroke his ego even more, like... I got to put him down, you know? I got to bring him back down to ground zero. You know, like, in Ohio, like, it's it's going to be a very interesting match. I will give Fletcher credit. He's probably one of the most talented young guys I've seen. In a, I, I've gotten to see grow and everything. Like, I've gotten to watch a lot of his matches. Like, he's a phenomenal tag team partner, which is weird because – I honestly can't see anyone getting along with him. That's <laughs> all so you can get along with him. He's high, all right? When you get him on the stage and everything, he just soaks up all the freaking atmosphere. He is the most cockiest son of a gun in the world. And I, just taking that all heel wrestling transfer, uh, change of fortune championship. It's going to be a very nice reminder for him to stay humble. Nothing's given in this world. He ain't getting an easy win on me. You think he's going to get a win in general over you? No. Not at all. If he's going to get a win on me, there will be blood coming out of my mouth. I better have a broken nose because I don't give up easy. He would the barbed wire in the ring and explosive underneath the ring. There's an idea. <laughs> That's how you get a quick victory off you. 
It's like, I didn't sign up for this shit. I'll just take that vape pen and stick it up somewhere, you know? <laughs> uh, so what if you had to give the state of professional wrestling in general a grade, what would it be and why? In general, I will give it a... I will give it a a. I, I don't know. I was bad in school, so I was going to say like an A minus because that boy's been like to like A minus A and then like A plus. So I'm gonna give it an A minus because there's always room for improvement. Like like I said, in the business span of things, like you gotta go. Like, there's like a there's one of those graphs with like two circles, and then there's that one point that meet. In the middle, there's good for business, good for the fans, you know, and sometimes those good things combine. Perfect example, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, where he got to win the champion and everything because it was good for business because people stopped canceling the WWE Network. <laughs> and it was good for the fans because they got what they wanted, you know. But um, it's there's so much in the business that could be improved like I was saying earlier, like if people would learn how to tell more of a story through selling than spot after spot after spot after spot, like, I feel like the business would improve greatly over that. But right now it's an A minus. So you would give it an A minus even though WWE is pretty much running rough shot, doing, you know, kind of like putting more entertainment before wrestling. You still give it an A minus. When it comes to WWE, like I watch the product and everything, and like I said, there's always room for improvements. Um, I love what like I love the the travel cheat, the head of the table gimmick going on. I love Brock, but I like um, the things that are happening. Um, but like below a lot of people's attention, like the stuff with Chad Gable. Chad Gable is probably becoming my my favorite wrestler. Just for the fact that I, every time I see him, he's doing something. Like he's doing something and he's making the best out of it. From American Alpha to uh, when he was tagging with um, Selton Benjamin and uh, Bobby Roode, I, all the way to Sorty G. <laughs> And his great team, but I enjoyed his feud with King Corbin. I enjoyed it. I, um, what else? Uh, and he doing Alpha Academy and all that. Like it's just, it's super entertaining to me. I, I would, I would have loved to have seen him got the feud with Jason Jordan. That would have been fun. One half of the tag team champions of Raw. He's doing. Mm-hmm. It was good to see that because he was like, he seemed like he was there, but he was like fizzling out a little bit, like he could get cut anytime. Yeah, but like he, it's one of the things where he's always like above that line because he is so useful. Yeah, and like, my favorite, my probably my favorite match of Chad Gables is when he was actually sent to the 205 Live for a very short period, but while he was down there. He had a great. Uh, he had two great matches with gentleman Jack Gallagher, and um, it was just amazing contest. 
I learned so much from that match about both men. It was incredible. So during your five years of professional wrestling, what has fundamentally changed about the, the profession that from today to when you first started? When I first started and everything, like you could ask anyone who was there when I first started, I was a stubborn, immature, um, a perfect word, I was a brat. And I'm happy to say that I am a bit more mature. I'm a bit smarter. And I'm a bit, I'm still stubborn. But I use that stubbornness to improve myself. I'm more stubborn with myself than I am with others. I'm willing to give people a chance. And sorry, my CBTV. Okay. There we go. Anyway. But um, yeah, like I've been very grateful for the lessons that this business has taught me, and I hope it proceeds to continue to teach me. What do you wish your younger self knew about the profession that you know now? Probably the hardships, really. Not in the sense that it would scare me away from it, but to be more prepared to like, because there's some people who I've, I have a lot of rivals, I have a lot of enemies, and some of those are just due to um, bad feelings early on. So, and I would love to make amends to those people, but life is not that simple. Very true. Mm -hmm. I still can't believe you're going against the vape guy. What if he goes after your mask? <laughs> if he comes after my mask, it's going to be blood. <laughs> He's, I mean, I'm not talking. I'm not talking shit about you, vape guy. So if you're watching this, you're my boy. But <laughs> what if he goes? I mean, he's tricky enough to go after your mask. Hmm. Well, how are you gonna prepare for him? Hmm. I guess I could double tie it. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's the thing. Like my mask, though, is my greatest strength. It's my greatest weakness. So the best way I can do is just try to prevent that as much as possible. And I, I do realize the weakness, but at the same time, though, it is my greatest strength. I remember an old school match back in WCW days for the Cruiserweight Championship. It was Rey Mysterio defending against Chris Jericho. Jericho went after the mask and he Mysterio had another mask underneath it. So when he pulled the mm -hmm. first mask off, he was shocked to his second match and Mysterio rolled him up and pinned him. So that's an idea. Yeah, uh, and that's, I might, might consider that. Hmm. Just, but uh, I remember they did the exact same finish uh, during the feud for the Intercontinental title in uh, the WWE. I believe in 2008 or nine, was a, that was a really good year. That was when WWE was really good. That was, that was when Raw was watchable. Yeah. It's, it's still watchable for the most part. Like When I watch it, I am entertained when I'm watching. So I got to record it and fast forward, pass all the BS and watch the matches. I WWE, it's like, I like to see wrestling. 
I want to see like guys like you in the ring, you know, kicking ass. I don't want to see, you know, you going like, mm -hmm. like Fletch, that's my baby daughter, you know, or something like that. I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that. I mean, next thing you know, a couple months from now, it'll be you versus Fletch for the, like the father, for the fatherhood of like Dominic Mysterio anyways. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, do we really have to go that way? I know you'll go to after Flesh to Helen back, but do we really have to go that way? But I do understand that how some matches need a story. Like, for example, this past Monday with uh, AJ Styles and Edge, where it's like you don't just get a match, you know, it needs a story. Yeah, it's like a like the Edge and Seth Rollins match. It needed a story, and it had a great story going uh, going into it and uh, coming out of it too. Where Rollins, in a sense, can say he won because he took Edge to that different level. You know that he got him to that point in his head where he had to snap. You know, so he gets bragging rights for breaking Edge to that point where, but this but. AJ Styles. Edge is wanting the best out of Styles. He said it himself. And how do you ignite a fire into someone like AJ Styles? One way. Have him re-sign for $3 million a year. Guaranteed. <laughs> that would like the fire. <laughs> That's one idea. <laughs> I would like to fire. I'll be like, okay, second, fire. second best is, you know, taking a chair and trying to take everything away, like taking that contract away from and everything, you know, almost taking away that match at WrestleMania. He's trying to ignite that fire in styles, you know. So I can see why, like, while people were putting an edge hill turn, I can see why people would say that. But I, I see it as him trying to ignite, uh, to ignite a fire in Styles, so he gets the very best. Not I like Styles. He even pointed out he doesn't want the one who's been having to carry almost and everything all these few months. You know, he doesn't want that. He wants the AJ Styles who went toe to toe with the Undertaker, the one who went toe to toe with people like Randy Orton, John Cena. In the very first WrestleMania, he went against Chris Jericho. First, and Edge knows very, very uh, <laughs> specifically for someone who beat him at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania, I believe, 26 for the world title. Yep. It's it's stuff like that where like he wants that he wants that AJ Styles. He wants the phenomenal one. So, like I, like I was saying earlier, these matches. Like you can't just get these matches; they need a story behind them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone says like like Edge said. So you're right. Though, he wants the the phenomenal AJ Styles. When Edge came back to WWE, I did not want to see the fan fan friendly Edge. I did not want to see the husband Edge. I did not want yeah. to see the Edge. I wanted to see the rated R superstar. Mm -hmm. So seeing that come out of him last Monday night, that was kind of like. I heard that they were fighting each other, so I'm like, I hate spoilers, so okay. Big deal, but when he gave Styles that low blow, that was mm -hmm. like, a, oh, shit. 
probably the best thing I've seen Edge do. And this is not a knot to anything else he's done. Oh, he's he's classic. He's a he's a great classic man, and it's his uh, the promos and the matches between him and Randy Orton. Yeah, just beautiful, beautiful works of art. Yeah, you're right. Like, I hate that. I hate that people are like criticizing like the the match at WrestleMania with him and Orton. But like, oh, it was too long. I'm like, no, because if you pay attention, they put like the smallest of details into that match, where Orton made Ed snap at one point. You know, where like he, like, you could see, like, you could see the tears in Ed's head where he's. He can't believe he got, went back into that zone, you know. And he took that chair and he slammed it into um, Orton's head because he knows how that feels because Orton did it to him. Yeah. All the way to the final, uh, not, uh, not the final match, but they did have one after the Rumble. But um, Orton and um, and the, the one at Backlast where he did the punk kick, the punk kick had been done in so long. And he just he pulled it out. And even greater, it was to finish. Where he hit the punk kick and everybody knows the seriousness of the punk kick. Where it was taken away because it was too dangerous. And then you see that being the finish. I'm like, there we go. Like, I love the storytelling and everything that went with that. Truly phenomenal. Once in a while, Vince comes up with good ideas, but a lot of the ideas <laughs> are just like fall flat. But I still watch the pay per views, see what's going on. You give them benefit of the doubt. It's, not it's one of those things where um, I listen to a lot of broadcasts and stuff, and I was listening to an Inside the Rope um, interview with Paul Heyman, and he's telling a story with. Um, about Vince and everything. And he told, he says this, I have butted heads with Vince McMahon many times and to Vince McMahon's credit, he's been right about 97% of the time. So it's one of those things where people say that Paul Hayne was a good thinker. Like he's a great booker. He's a great creative person, all that. Even he gets Vince credit on his ideals and his, Vince is not an idiot. He's not really stuck in the old ways of things. It's more he knows what works and he's not going to cast in all his chips into this new idea. Like, hey, let's let's start doing the Canadian Destroyer. I'm like, no. We're not going to start doing Canadian Destroyers. I. There are exceptions to the rule, of course. Like, we could say he's been able to get away with it. <laughs> well, at the, at the end, no matter what anyone says, even I've had some negative things about say about Vince McMahon. But I've also said by the end of his lifetime, he's going to be known as one of the greatest promoters ever. Vince, is, he, has, he has that great mind for the business, like, I would love to meet the man one day. That would have been that would be incredible. It'd be like meeting God, you know. Just look at him like, thank you for my world. <laughs> you could take a picture and see, like, hey, babe, God, this is a God. 
that's not you're not a god. This is a god. Exactly. A true god of wrestling. And it, that's a true statement because look at all these promotions that will copy a WWE ideal. And it's like, yo, you cannot say that WWE sucks if you're doing something they're doing. You might do it a tiny bit better in your own mind. But I've had experience, experience that so many times in locker rooms and stuff where someone will come up to me with an ideal and I'll be looking at him like, that is, that's bad. That's really bad. Because like, he, I, he saw like, it had nothing to do with his character or anything. And he's like, I want to go out there. I'm going to pan- I pancakes to everybody. And all that. I'm like, why? Well, I'm a big fan of the New Day. I was like, don't do it. He was like a demonic dude and everything. And <laughs> he wanted to go out there and start throwing pancakes at people. I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And funny enough, he went and did it, and the crowd didn't react. There's someone giving him, uh, giving them free food, and he is having a dead crowd. It was, it was, it was funny. It was funny to watch from a distance. <laughs> Hearing the crickets. Exactly. <laughs> it's even funnier when like the next guy comes out. And, you know, like, the dude's bringing in the ring. He's like, oh, the crowd's dead, you know. The next dude comes out, and the crowd pops. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know why, but they were so quiet when I was going out there, you know. And it's like, then that dude came out. I was like, because he's doing it right. <laughs> I asked one of the fans, and they was like, oh, he thought he was just like a job or something, bro. I was like, <laughs> he had a bell. <laughs> It's like, well, he had a belt, so I kind of like. Uh, they were so confused on what was going on. They did. Like, you can't confuse the fans so much where they don't even want to try to understand. You know, which is what I love about Draven Lee is because he is so confusing that the fans get it. He doesn't go overboard where it's like, okay, I'm gonna go eat this dude now. Now, he could say that, <laughs> and the fans will laugh at everything, but then if he starts doing it, everybody's just like, that's weird, you know? Like, And that would be, be a dead response, but I will give Draven Lee credit. If he went and told people, okay, guys, I'm leaving now. I'm going to go eat somebody, the crowd will pop. Like, he's, he's just at that level with fans that it's just it's incredible. So other than this Saturday against Fletch, what else do you have going on? This Friday, I will be um, returning once again to my home promotion that I was talking about earlier, wrestling. Going against the one and only Donovan Daniels, who is a very, very skilled man, a very, very big man. But I've cut down Giants before, so it's going to be a fun match. Um, I'll be heading to Philadelphia I believe on the 26th and we'll be <laughs> speeding back to Tennessee for no limits throw down here. Um, I'm going to say McMinnville. It's a very good promotion. Um, that's a nice little shout out to them. Great for us. And where can people find you on social media? You can find me by simply um, typing in Frankie Swamp Tower. 
Um, I'm on Instagram, Snapchat. Um, see, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. Like, whew, I'm a busy person. I'm also on YouTube under the same name, Frankie Swamp Tower, where I have about, I believe, about 200 of my matches. The rest are, I think, on Facebook Live. And before I let you go, it's right before your match with Flex with the Vape God. What are your final words to him? Ah, uh, Flex. Me and him, he have been on totally different roads, but those roads collide this Saturday. And he likes to talk about uh, he has all these nice little names for his belts. Um, uh, Alisa and uh, ah, what's his uh, what's his new one? Uh, the one that starts with a P. Uh, Penelope. Uh, I think yeah, I think it's what it is. Penelope. Uh, yeah, same rings bell. Well, he keeps, uh, he calls himself the Vape Daddy and stuff like that when he's talking about those belts. Well. But Stephanie is not going to be the last lady I bring home, but she will be the next. You're, you're great, Frankie. Thank you very much for coming on. I wish you luck Saturday. And Thank you. You never know. Maybe there might be a war of words between you and Flex one day on the show. Like a light I would love it. Because that's that's another way to knock them off that pedestal. I always say that. Maybe, you know, after your match, you two can come on and patch things up. No, fuck that. I mean, nah, nah. Whoever, <laughs> whoever wins has bragging rights. Whoever loses wants to say something. Let's go patch it out. I'm all for it. Bring it on. Remind me of that, Caleb. Remind me of that. All right, then. Thank you very much for your time. And we'll keep it going. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Everybody Bye-bye. have a good night. Bye.